Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Courtney Robertson, and I was the most notorious villain in Bachelor history. A lot has changed since then. I got married, and I'm a mom to two amazing kids. Every week, I'm going to be talking to other reality stars about what happens when the cameras stop rolling, and you have to figure out what to do after reality. Welcome back to After Reality. I've got a great episode for you today. I hope you enjoy. But first, I've got a little voice note to share from my new favorite villain, Brayden Bowers. I reached out to him to share some love and support, villain to villain. I'm a massive fan. I think he's hilarious, so and maybe a little misunderstood. So here's a little voice note from Brayden. Hey, y'all, it's Brayden. Uh, this season's villain on The Bachelorette. Um, I just wanted to say thank you guys for showing me so much support and uh, having my back. I know I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. It's never my intention to do so. Um, but the people that you know were able to see through all that and see me, I just appreciate you guys. And uh, much love, y'all. Um, stay tuned, and I'll be watching the season with you to see what happens when Cherry's love story. So can't wait. Well, I can't wait to see what happens next for Brayden, and I see you. I see you, B. so can't wait to have you on the podcast. Stay tuned to the end of the episode. There's some more tids on Brayden, and uh, I'm going to make another phone call. So let's get to today's guest. I am so excited for today's guest. She was a starring lady on The Bachelorette Season 4 and the final two on The Bachelor Season 11, where Brad Womack famously didn't pick either one she's an incredible mom to two adorable kids and a kick-ass chef it's diana pappas hello you are flattering me today courtney oh my gosh thank you oh my gosh you are i live for your reels your food content and uh i'm so happy to have you done any so long because with the chaos of my life in the last year i've really gotten away from doing those things that i really love but we're recording a podcast and I'm literally cooking in my kitchen for my flight tomorrow. So, <laughs> oh, well, I thank you for carving time out. I, I just have to start by saying I met Diana when, uh, at a charity soccer event that we did back. I mean, this oh is God, right. Yeah. Like right after my season, and I'm pretty sure you were pregnant with your first your daughter. And so you couldn't play. I don't think you played either. I'm game. pretty sure I still have those jerseys. I kept them too. I, I don't know what we were going to use I think them for. I have mine. <laughs> I do too. And the soccer shorts. And by the way, that was like really rough. Um, that was a rough sport. I think, and then you came the, the last one, you had your daughter with you and you were pushing yeah. her in a stroller. But I just have to say that, you know, coming off my season, I was the villain and stepping into bachelor nation. I did have some former leads that were kind of rude to me. And I just remember you were so kind and nice and welcoming to me. And it meant the world to me. Aww. And you probably you probably don't know that, but like, you know, I just was like, what do people think of me? And you were so awesome. And so I just want to thank you for that because I didn't know. I'm like, you are so sweet. Thank you so much. Actually, I remember reading your book and you putting in at the end of the book when you were staying about all the people that you met. And I was like, oh, yeah, she didn't say anything bad about me. Yay. Because I am. 
pretty typical, like I'm a nice person. Like I'm just a nice person. And I just felt genuinely bad for you. You got a bad rap. You know what I mean? And it's all in editing. And I, I experienced a lot of that, you know, just difficulty too from my own season. And it's just, you know, people pick you apart and they don't even know you, you know what I mean? And that's just so unfair for people to do that, for fans to watch the show and have this view of who they think you are and think they get to tear your character apart without even know you. Like for me, that was one of the most difficult things about reality TV is having to deal with the fact that like people don't really know me, but they're all making an opinion of who they think I am without knowing me. You know what I mean? So I just remember feeling so bad for you because they treated you like shit. Oh, well, that's nice of you to say. And honestly, most people have been really nice. But like, I just went on Trista's um, OG podcast and we we're fine. She sent me a nice message. But she was like, I met her at an event at the mansion and she like wouldn't even like look at me. And like, it was just like, it was like one of my first things after the show. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be bad. And like Jillian Harris was there and she came up and was like super welcoming. And yeah. it's just like a weird thing too, to come off the show and then like you do events and you meet other people. And, and I've just, uh, you know, tried, I love watching you, you know, and your kids grow up and all that good stuff, but today's about you. So let's flash back. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you were like the most desirable woman in America. How did that feel <laughs> on your season? I mean, you were the bachelorette. That is like oh. less than 1%. I don't know about that, but thank you for flattering me. I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> it was a fun time my life but I remember thinking like after being on the bachelorette like being the bachelorette I thought I would never go back to being on the bachelor and being one of 25 girls like vying for some man like I would never in a million years ever do that again oh my gosh and let's talk about Brad Womack so you make it to the final two and he doesn't pick anybody and I know you've said that you were kind of felt heartbroken at the time but how did you end up getting on the show were you a fan of the show I mean this was like in the early days yeah, no, I've never seen a show before in my entire life, actually, which is so funny. I think it's kind of cool, too, to go into it like that. You know, you kind of just, that's kind of me. Like, I watched some, but not religiously. And so I kind of went in blind. The only reality TV that I'd ever seen was like Flavor Flav or like Rock of Love. So I had a bad taste <laughs> of what reality TV was. Like, I was not going to be going on a reality TV show. I was living in Noonan, Georgia, which is where I grew up. And I was bartending and selling real estate. And I had been dating this guy for like three years and we broke up and, and I just was really sad. And I had this uh, friend of mine, her and her husband watched the bachelor and the bachelorette. I had never seen it before. And they were doing an open casting in Atlanta. And she was like, please go, please do it. And I was like, no way, no way. I, I don't want to be on reality TV. That's not my thing. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And it was close to my favorite sushi restaurant in Atlanta. And she was like, if you go, I will take you to sushi dinner afterwards. And I was like, oh, oh I'll do anything for food. I'll do yes. anything for food. <laughs> That's so your love that, language, yeah. <laughs> yep, that is literally how I ended up on the show because I went to an open casting. And I don't know what your experience was like, but like mine, I, it was just like a, a couple of producers in a bar. As a matter of fact, I kept in touch with those same producers for the longest time. Um, it was a couple of producers in a bar and they literally just took a picture of your face and had you fill out a three by five, like index card, you know, oh. it was like your name, your age, an index card. <laughs> yes. And then on the back, it was like, why are you still single? And I was like, <laughs> I literally wrote down, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine done. I was in and out five minutes flat. And I was like, let's go to sushi. And then I couldn't believe that they called me back the next day, but I, I, I'm so true to who I am. And at my core, I have always been this way. I try to be pretty close to who I believe myself to be good or bad, like it or leave it. You know what I mean? And I've had a difficult couple of years. And with that difficulty in the couple of years, I've had people question me as a person and mm. the people who have known me the longest in my life would say that I haven't changed. I'm still as fucking strong as I was, you know, excuse my language. No. 20 years ago, and I am kind and I'm loyal to a fault to myself. And I am learning to be better with that because I make mistakes of putting people that I love before my own emotional well-being because I'm that loyal to the people that I care about and the people that I love. So um, I just never thought that they would choose me. I showed up in jeans and a t-shirt and I was like, no way. I, there's no, no, I'm, I'm a normal girl. I'm not skin and bone. I don't have fake boobs or fake hair or anything else. And I literally rolled up in jeans and a t-shirt. And so when they called the next day, they were like, listen, we would love to do a more in-depth interview. 
would you be willing to come down to Atlanta? And I was like, I don't know. It's really not my thing. And they were like, well, just come, just, just check it out. And I was like, all right, what do I have to lose at this point? And then she goes, it'd be kind of nice if you dressed up a little more. <laughs> oh, Deanna, I, I think like, that's, uh, okay. like, what do you want? This is me. And that's what I, I love about you. You are a strong personality. You're very blunt. And I know you've said it. I loved your um, podcast flashbacks and I listened to every Thank episode you. and you did say something to me that was really interesting. And you said that you felt like you were in flight or flight your entire life. And I just, I love a strong, confident woman who's secure in who she is, honestly. And it sounds like that you were just like that from the get-go. And so uh, that's very uh, commendable and not everybody has that. But so then you go on the season, you make it to the end. And, and then was it pretty quickly after that they asked you or approached you to be the bachelorette? I mean, at that point, like, what were you thinking? You were like, what did I just go through? I mean, were you- You know what is so funny? I have done- given everything that I've gone through in the last year. And again, if anyone follows me on social media, they can see that I'm going through a divorce. And um, just that alone is very traumatic to take a relationship with someone that you love so deeply and to literally break into two families. It's really awful. Like it's really, really awful. And, you know, I, Stephen is a wonderful dad and we're trying very hard to be amicable, great co-parents. But even with that, that is still hard. And then you add the piece of dividing up your children mm-hmm. when I've always had the pleasure of, of the luxury really of being with my kids every single day and having a family of four. So to split them up now and only have them part of the week and then they're with Steven, like that's all really hard stuff. It's trauma. So I've done a lot of, a lot of therapy in the last couple of years in particular and a lot of trauma therapy. And I started to realize kind of the traumatic events that I have gone through. Like we all experience trauma in our life in some way, shape or form. You know what I mean? It's just unfortunate. We're all a product of how we were raised. Mm-hmm. There's generational trauma. There's all kinds of things. You know what I mean? Oh, so, girl, I got trauma. I have a life coach. I started therapy right after the yes, show and it was like yes. the best thing for me. And I, and I would yes. maybe touch on it later. I, I listened to flashbacks and I just started experiencing panic attacks um, after I had my kids and, but um, not to take away from what we're talking about, but and Andrew Doris, I, I wanted to say, uh, you know, we'll touch on that later, but obviously you're bringing it up. So I've been following your journey and I just, you know, I've met Steven and I've met Michael and um, I've just, you are holding it all together. And you, like you said, you're working full time and you, I can't imagine, but I will commend you. You were married for what, 12 years? We were married for almost 12 years. Yeah. That is yeah. Congratulations. That is amazing. I mean, that's a great accomplishment. And like, I have a friend who just got divorced and she actually just got remarried and she started telling me she was getting a divorce. And I was like, well, congratulations, because not a lot of people would take that step. And like you said, it's hard, it's traumatic and, but doing therapy and it sounds like you've been doing the work and, um, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I'm trying. I got on that rant because I was, I was laughing as I was processing all of my traumatic events of my life. Well, the traumatic events probably had to do with you being the bachelorette too. I was just going to say that, Courtney. That's how I was trying to wrap that up. Now that I'm doing all of this work, I'm seeing things like going on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, that was trauma. Like Mm -hmm. I was so, and you know this because you've been on the show, you almost get so brainwashed. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and, And again, I am a very strong, independent woman. And even going on The Bachelor, I that was a weird scenario for me. Like I, I'm a monogamous dater. I do not, well, I'm not dating anyone, but back in the day before I got married, um, I only dated one person at a time. I I could not focus on multiple people at once. Like I just, I'm, I'm once I'm in, I'm in. And when I'm done, I'm done. And that's just how I am. So being on the bachelor, that was really hard for me to share a man with a bunch of other women and then the way they all sat around and talked about their feelings and how they liked oh. this man. And I was like, you, you barely know him. Like what's happening. But you know, this from being on the show, it's, it's like you get brainwashed the longer that you are on the show because mm-hmm. you don't have anything to worry about. All you got to do is fall in love with this 
yeah super good looking dude it's your primary focus but the whole thing is like and it sounds like what you're saying and you're we're very similar in that sense that like by the end of it it was like so like pick me pick me pick me that i was like this is almost like embarrassing like almost embarrassing right like really embarrassing i was like why are we all fawning over this guy but you know what is i didn't have that mentality the pick me pick me mentality because i kind of like the whole time always just thought like if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I always just kind of felt like it was my path. I was meant to be there. Um, That's cool. I, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason because I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus. So whatever. But you, I just, the whole time I was there and on The Bachelor with Brad, I, I was never like dying to stay or dying to go. I just genuinely felt like that was in my path. I was meant to be there. This was supposed to be a life moment for me. And it just felt right in my past for my life so you have a really good outlook on life I will say it and uh whatever happened to Brad have you heard from him is he is he okay do we need to phone a friend (laughs) I I don't know we kept in touch for a long time after oh really bachelor yeah we did which was also weird because he would call and text he'd be like come out and visit and I'm like I don't want to be your friend like you just dumped me on national television and I went through a whole mind fuck to deal with that you know what I mean and (laughs) For for me too, I think that what well, we kept in touch, but and and then once I became the bachelorette, I I let that one go. You know what I mean? I, th- I think he was still texting me up until I like. I wonder if he was like him. like wanting to like date you. I don't know, dude. I I don't think so. I don't think so. I really don't know what he was doing. I I can't figure that out, and never could figure it out, and I can't even attempt to figure it out. So. Well, hopefully he's good. I, I think he's like one of those people that just disappeared, which I like. That's kind of cool of people. And like, I feel like you and I came like we are, you know, children of the 80s. I just turned 40. I wanted to ask you about that later. Uh, I'm oh, in 40 Club. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, 40? my gosh. I'm so excited. I loved your mammogram episode. I just had one. Uh, they sneak attacked me. I was like, OK, so this is happening. Um, <laughs> and it is not attractive whatsoever. Oh, the way it's... the nurse just manhandles your boobs and squishes it in the machine. I'm like, this is the joys of being, being 40. But I, yeah. I, I love 40. Like, you know, that I kept seeing things where people are like, there's no fucks given when you turn 40. And it's absolutely true because I think sometimes if I could go back and tell my younger self, a lot of things, right. My 20 something self, my 30 something self, just, it's amazing to me that now I'm in this place in my life. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm going through a divorce life change, you know, all of these things, therapy, everything else. There is a part of me that just like, that's cool. Take it or leave it. That's cool. Like I am going to be in charge of my life. I'm going to demand what I want and how I'm treated because I am worthy of that. I am worthy of genuine friendships and relationships. And I am worthy of being loved fully and wholly for who I am. And if someone cannot do that, I don't want to have a relationship with them. I have nobody got time for that. And you've got your two kids who are the loves of your lives. And I I just got goosebumps thinking about it. You're such an incredible mom. And and now you have to split your time, which I also always think like my friend that got divorced. I'm like, is that nice for you though, that you do have those times off? It's got to be bittersweet. It's like my kids just started school and I'm like, yes, I've been so excited for this extra time. And then I get it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> you you, well, you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll do Pilates. You'll do yoga. You're going to get your nails oh, done. Diana, I would love to do yoga. I haven't done it in like two years. And I'm like, and my husband's like, what do you want to do yoga tomorrow? Like he's always like, you know, I, I'm like, some days I just want to binge watch shows and I, That's you know, okay. And you I think- are in survival mode right now. Your kids are so young. You are in survival mode. And I used to hate when people would say, oh, don't blink. It goes by so fast. I want to be like, fuck you, man. I'm like getting no sleep. I'm tired. Yes, it's great. But you know what I mean? Like there the are days are long. Hard. Yes. The but days are true. long. I'm like, and I've lo- I've noticed if I look at the clock, I'm like, oh gosh, I've looked at the clock. I'm like, okay, they're two hours from nap time. Like, why did I look at the clock? Like, I'm in my my daughter's 18 months and my or sorry, 19 months and my son just turned three. So I'm in a different phase than you. But for you, it's probably easier with it's Austin and Addison, right? Yeah, Austin and Addison. Yeah, yeah. they're so great. They're your everything. So I, I totally relate to your friend who got a divorce because I would say that. It, it is different in some ways because the days that I don't have the kids, I try to keep myself pretty busy. Like I do things that 
I love to do or have time for myself to go to the movies or dinner with friends or drinks or whatever it is. Because on the days that I do have the kids, I'm hyper-focused on really enjoying that time that I have with them because I know in a few days they're going to go back to Steven and I'm going to miss them. So the first day is always really hard once I drop them off with Steven mm-hmm. and I come back to my house and it, the silence is deafening. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, to not I... the voices. Yeah. Or yeah. Like having kids in your house. I... Like the... Yeah. I've heard it's like having like little fires, like think about the winter when it's so lovely. It's like having like two little fires burning in your house, like the crackling, like the little yeah. sound. It's just... Uh, everything. So have you been going on dates or is that just, I mean, I know you, didn't you say you like are officially <laughs> a divorce? Um, no, we are not officially divorced. Uh, divorce in the state of California takes a very long time, even when you are amicable and we've split everything up. Like we don't live under the same house and we have split everything up, um, pretty okay. easily and are, and are, you know, doing our best to be really kind to one another. Um, that's so good. You know, relationships ending in general are just hard. They're just hard. You've spent so much time with someone, right? I mean, I was married for almost 12 years. We were together almost 15. Like that's a lifetime to share your life with someone. So it can't, I'm always amazed at the amount of people who can start dating right away because there is an emotional piece that you have to physically let go and mourn the loss of that relationship. That's a long time. And he's the father of my children. Like no one has known me. (laughs) I mean, probably better to my core than him. You know what I mean? So there's, I have, I've really spent the time to mourn and grieve the loss of that relationship because it was really difficult for me. Um, I likely would have spent the next 20 years still trying to make it work. Uh, but that's because I'm loyal to a fault to myself, (laughs) you know, so I know that stuff now, but so, um, no, I have rode every single wave of grief that can possibly be ridden. And I also did not, Stephen and I, when we, when we posted back in January, a statement saying that we were, uh, going to be, uh, separating and getting divorced. We talked about that and we made that statement together, but I also didn't do it until I was ready to do it. Like we had been separated for probably six months. Oh, wow. Before then. Yeah. But I wanted to be sure that that's what was going to happen. And we've had a, we've had a tough couple of years, the last couple of years, we've had Mm. a really difficult time. Um, marriages work and are successful when you have two people who can learn to grow together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And And not out of each other. Yeah. And have great communication. And I, I believe that that is a superpower because Stephen and I have always, always publicly said to anyone who would listen that communication was never our strong suit. We always had a really difficult time with it. And now that I've done so much therapy, I realize there's so much more to relationships. You know what I mean? Like I'm an anxious attachment. I know that about myself now. And I didn't know that before. But I know that now because of the trauma that I have experienced from a young age, you know what I mean? And I'm a product of divorce. My parents divorced when I was really young. So for me, I spent the last year doing a lot of work on myself, a lot of therapy that was like life-giving, life-giving. I went to a trauma center back in December and I went three days a week for like three hour intensive therapy. And it was the best thing I ever could have done for myself. It was life-giving. If I could have afforded to go for another month, I absolutely would have because I found it astounding and life-changing for me and the things that I learned about myself and my my emotional well-being and my marriage and, you know, how to process. It was just, but, you know, California is ridiculous that they don't treat healthcare, mental health as the same as regular healthcare. So it was really expensive to go and it was well worth it. Therapy is really expensive. It's like- expensive. But I always encourage anyone, I am a, I am an advocate for mental health. I'm an advocate for mental health and getting help, seeking help, finding a therapist. If you need to be put on medicine, my God, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. Like, why no. do we torture people? We don't shame someone for getting breast cancer, but we're going to shame someone if they have a mental health disorder. It doesn't make sense to me. So long story short, I don't know why I got on this rant. I am not dating. I don't have time to date. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, it, I, it is a great when I'm period. Home, I'm with the kids pretty much all the time because I still travel. Yeah, I still travel for a living. And so I can't fathom 
ever getting married again. And people keep saying, oh, you'll change your mind. You'll change your mind. And I'm like, I hear you. But like, I, I am telling you that is how I feel to my core. Like, I don't know. I, I crave companionship. And of course we all get lonely, right? I'm lonely. I'm on the road a lot and I'm by myself and I miss my kids. Uh, for the listeners, you're, you're, a, you do a, your flight attendant, not a flight attendant. I, I'm sorry. That's I am. Not- I'm a flight attendant. Yeah. But you but you also cook, but like for like a, a luxury high end, like so you see uh, Deanna's uh, food reels and stuff. So she does like these <laughs> incredible meals, which by the way, I think you need your own cooking show. I'm going to call I the Food Network. I cooking show yes. so bad, Courtney. Let's put this out in the world. You need it. You inspired me to do my food reels because <clears throat> we were like on the show before Instagram was a thing. So like it's been kind of tricky to navigate. Like what do I want to share? And But your food reels are incredible. Yeah. So she cooks these incredible incredible gourmet meals like she we she has to go do shopping because she's traveling right now for work and she has to go to the store and get food for so let's get you your own cooking show and as far as reality you I'm obviously literally making pasta right now and i bought some um i'm salivating orioketa <laughs> and i cooked it down with some water and salt and i put fresh peas and sliced leeks in there and then i'm mixing in a load of chive and onion cream cheese and it is like to die for. So if I sound like I have food in my mouth, I do because I'm tasting it. Awesome. You should have some little wine when you could. I love to like put my music on, get a glass of nice wine and like. Oh, just... my favorite thing. Oh, it's my favorite thing. With the two kids, it's a little hard. They're like in my way now. But um, so anyway, I wanted to ask you about um, flashing back. And thank you for sharing all that because I know it's that's going through divorce, you know, to wrap that up. It's it's a it's a grief and it's got to feel like a death. Um, I can't totally. imagine. Being I don't love hard. social media, Courtney. Like I, I don't, don't either. love social media. I don't particularly love Instagram. I am not on TikTok. I barely have look at my Twitter account. I don't even know why I still have it. Mm, I think it's all about threads now. You got to get threads on Instagram. TikTok is gone. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So uh, the only reason why I was going to say that is that with this, you know, posting finally, when I was ready on, on, uh, we were ready on our terms, the statement of getting divorced, I was astounded by the amount of people. Well, first off, I only released a statement because I couldn't believe the amount of people who had the audacity to message me and DM me and ask me where my husband is and ask me if I was getting divorced because I hadn't posted him on my social media. So I almost felt like I had to because I was so sick of getting inundated with people who don't know me for that matter and asking me very personal questions. Like I would never do that to someone, would never, ever do that to anyone, to a celebrity, to a friend, to no one. I would never, ever ask them questions so invasive. So that was actually really, I honestly wouldn't have given a crap. I would have never said anything to the public. I, we would have gone our separate ways and lived our happy lives and I would not have cared. But I felt backed into a corner to release a statement because the amount of people who were messaging me about it. Of so, oh, I don't remember gosh. why I got on that. Rant. Oh, anyway. it's okay. I wanted to ask you uh, about the show and your experience, and I'm, I'm, I appreciate you sharing all that. But um, <clears throat> so when you were the Bachelorette, uh, Jason Mesnick was you, you let him get down on one knee. I'm curious mm-hmm. to ask about production because that was, you know, back in, it was like season four. Was that like, you know, a thing at the time? Did producers tell you, you have to let him do that? Yeah. So a lot of people ask me this question because I really caught a lot of hell for allowing him to do that. And for me, when I went on the bachelorette, the hardest lesson for me to learn was like, first and foremost, it was a television show. You know what I mean? And that was a hard lesson for me to learn because I was very friendly with a lot of the producers and I trusted them. And and I'm not, like my trust has to be earned. And several things happened during production where I literally was like, oh, you people are messed up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, so yeah. I know When that. the finale yeah. happened and Jason went to propose, I got the talk ahead of time where they told me that I have to allow him to get down on one knee. I did not do that on my own. It made me sick to do it. I was in tears over it. That was not my decision. And I remember being so upset when we were done filming because people ripped me apart for that, as they should. I wish, looking back, I would have been the strong, competent person that I am and said, no, I'm not going to do that to someone. You know what I mean? But contractually, you kind of probably had to. I mean... You know, I mean, they did that on, so my season was Ben Flanick and, and Ashley mm-hmm. Bear was a bachelorette before him and she let him get down on one knee. And, and he, I remember him talking to me about it. Like, I wish that they, like, he felt duped in that moment. And yes. then you also got heat because you picked 
Jesse and then he proposed and you got engaged and you broke up a few months later. Um, yeah, well, that was a, you know, we all have a few that we can't take back, Courtney. And that's oh, mine. I, I do too, honey. And I, my other question was like, after that relationship ended, did you ever feel like, should I reach out to Jason? Was there ever a moment? And obviously this is hypothetical. I remained friends. Oh, you did? Jason, I remained to him the whole time he was filming his show because he was talking to me about, I'm sorry, I'm washing my hands. (laughs) Oh, no, no, it's okay. About Molly and Melissa and asking my advice. So we kept in touch. We remained good friends. I, I, we have great conversations after we were done filming. I felt like he got the closure that he needed. And also when he became the bachelor standing in my shoes, you know what I mean? He totally got it. He understood. And Jason's just a great guy. You know what I mean? He's just a nice guy. Well, he messaged me after my season. He was like, Courtney, I knew you were going to be the villain. I went into their offices and like my storyboard was up. I don't know why he was in LA. And he said that he saw my picture and it said villain on it before Ah. we even started filming and and he does real estate too so we we've talked about that and molly seems lovely i want to get her on molly's wonderful i adore her she is my kind of girl she likes a good bag of cheetos and some glasses of wine in her bed at night she's my kind of girl oh i love cheetos i had them today in a glass of wine i'm actually (laughs) having some rose right now it's delicious um oh good for you yeah yeah for sure well i gosh i i that's interesting. So I did, that's cool that you've been like, you remain friends, like are cool with Brad Bowman. That speaks a lot to your character. And, um, thank you. I mean, I'm not friendly with Brad and a lot of my ex-boyfriends I don't keep in touch with. I'm one of those people. I think I mentioned this earlier when I'm done, I'm done. You know what Same. I mean? There's no, there are points where there are no going back for me, but I don't have like ex-boyfriends that I would have anything bad to say about. And I would like to hope that they don't have anything bad to say about me. But that's the difference when you go through breakups and relationships come to an end and stuff like that's just that's just the way it is. I don't have anything bad to say about any of the guys that I have had serious relationships with. And I've had a few. I'm a relationship person. Um, I am too. I'm a monkey. And one yeah. one to the next, and I, like I would like probably not get out of one if I didn't know where I was headed, you know, in my oh, especially girl, in my 20s. No, you got no, to learn to be on your own, man. So I did before I met my husband, I just was like, I got a life coach and it was like very much. So I actually revisited things with Ben for a bit. Um, Did you really? I did. Yeah. 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 I I can't believe that. He does not, to me, again, I realize we don't know each other well, but to me, he doesn't strike your, like who I would think would be your type. You know, if you, if you lined up all my exes, they all look completely, not that it's about looks, but they all are very different individuals. And, um, I think it's like, you talk about like trauma bonding and like, we went through this thing together and, and our season was very different because I was the villain and we had all this scandal around our thing. And, um, we ended up uh, reconnecting, kind of just putting a bow on it. Like, because I had never had a breakup with somebody like I, like you, like friends with my exes, like you know, no big deal. I called all of them, almost all of them before I went on the show to let them know I was doing it. Cause now that was a different time. Um, but yeah, no, it just, I would, I recycled my thing in my thirties was I would recycle people just cause it was like easy and comfortable. And, um, but, uh, I'd be curious to ask you about like your thoughts on the nation now. I'd love to hear what you think about, you know, Mike Fleiss getting fired from the show and what was, what was he like back in the early days of the show? Did you ever, did you have much contact with him? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, Fleiss was on set a lot in those early days. And oh, there he was, was a show that was on E. Uh, yeah, he was on set a lot, like doing shots with girls. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. But there was, a, there was a show on E, and I can't remember the name of the show um, that was on E! News. And it was like a, I guess, like a mock of The Bachelor. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What was that show? what i'm talking about it was called unreal that's it that's it so i watched it to just kind of see and literally that's what i think the bachelor used to be like like it was not far off from what i experienced there was no and you know this because the drinking stuff didn't change until like the last couple of years but like Mm -hmm. there was I mean, my night one, I was mortified. I, I also, I, I drink, but I didn't drink a lot because I never wanted to make an ass of myself on camera Same. on television. I literally thought my dad is going to watch this. My grandparents are going to watch this. My pastor is going to watch this. So I, you know what I mean? I just was very conscious. Like I did not drink alcohol until the camera shut off. So I was mortified because there was this one girl who was barely, she was skin and bone. She must've been 90 pounds. And, and she ordered a bottle of vodka to her room and had been drinking all day before filming started. And she was a mess. Hot and mess they, express. Yes. And they just ate it up and it made me sick to my stomach to see that because they were just all over it and no one stopped her from drinking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She obviously went home on night one and then eventually went and laid down. You know what I mean? Because she couldn't stand up right anymore. But like, they also filmed that, like they poked fun at that. Like, Somebody found she had, she had you know the, um, you can put whatever the gel pads in your bra to to stuff your bra. I've never had to do that because I've literally had large boobs my entire life. Uh, but lucky, he had them and they kept falling. Thanks. <laughs> oh my well, gosh! Well, I'm a big butt, big boob kind of girl, and I I just own it. So, so you're telling me you're every her, guy's her, dream, whatever her gel pads. Get... Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I have definitely gained like 15 pounds in the last couple of years with everything that's been going on. And I am also realizing that at 40, it's a lot harder to get it off. Um, so have but I. her gel pads kept falling out of her dress. They kept falling out of her dress and everybody's making fun of her for it. And I was so disturbed by that. I was so disturbed. Wow. I, I just couldn't believe it the way that they treated this girl. So anyway, I used to tell people all the time that show unreal is it was not far off. From what? Well, it was a producer from the show. And by the way, when I watched that, I watched that. I went to the premiere of it and when I lived in LA and that the character looked like Mike Fleiss. Yes. And the I the one producer that he supposedly got with, she worked on my season and she was just like 
Constance Zimmerman's character. Like she was just like that. Like she would literally come in. There was, there was one night where I was, I just was over it. I was over the girls and the things that they were saying and how they were all swooning over this man. And I was like, this is, I, this is stupid. I want to go home. And she came to talk to me and they were trying to get me to cry on camera. And she was like, I can make you cry. And I was like, I don't know, girl, like, I don't cry in front of people. This is, these are my, my issues, trauma responses, but like, it's a sign of weakness to me. So you're never going to see me cry. Like literally at the end of the bachelor, when they're, they tried so hard to get me to cry and I'll never forget standing up on that podium and I'm like shedding one little tiny dragon tear. And I'm like, oh, fudge, they got me. <laughs> but but the, the producer the who was supposedly rumored to be with Mike Fleiss, she was just like Constance Zimmerman's character. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, from what I know, I think that it was probably pretty close to what that was, that show was. So yes. There was a lot of party and there was a lot of drinking and no one ever told people to stop. Like there were cocktails all the time. Like I remember thinking, I'm so tired of drinking. Like there's just so much alcohol. I would wake up with Doritos, like, you know, the food's very limited. It's like craft service. So I'd wake up in the morning yeah. and I, I would have like an empty bag of Doritos on the nightstand. And I was like, okay, well, at least I was smart and there's water here, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, and I got to the point, Dana, where I stopped taking drinks from people. Cause you know, they like to keep you set, like, okay, we're going to do the cocktail party. What do you want? And then they would bring me drinks. And I just remember one night they brought me a drink and I just, and I, I'm a wine gal. I love my wine. I don't do hard yep. alcohol because it just, I know what it does to me. I get a little crazy. That's like, I save that uh, for yeah. certain yeah. nights. I, I, I become I like soda, but man, man, Ooh, I'm like, I'd be hanging from the chandeliers. Like I get a little <laughs> wild, you know, like, and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. I might wake up with a little blank tape the next day. I don't like that feeling, but I, I remember sitting there and I'd be like, I'd like a glass of Cabernet. And I remember one night I hadn't drank that day. The girls would, they were not pacing themselves on my season throughout the day. And I, I took a sip of it and I just felt like this flood of like feelings over my body. And I remember I, I told the producer from that point on, I was like, I, I'm not going to drink anything unless I see the bartender pour it. Yeah. I and, yeah. and I, I don't want to like, you know, like insinuate, but I just was like, this was like a weird feeling. Like, um, you know, uh, I just, I was like, I like to be in control, you know, and that's probably my anxiety. But I, I'm like that in my normal life, Courtney, Same. like I go out. I, I'm oh, yeah. very safe. Like, listen, I listen to far too many crime podcasts. To, I'm not the girl to kidnap. <laughs> I am not the girl to kidnap or try to put drugs in my drink. Like, I am not. Like, I will, I will hurt somebody. I make smart decisions. My dad literally drove it into my head as a child. Like, always be aware of your surroundings. Always. And yep. I do. I, I travel for work. I am, I am a woman alone. Like, I have to be very careful. I do not take drinks from people. I need to see nope. them. And I was like that too on the show. And I just... I just think that's smart. Like you're just smart. It's smart. And they were like, got it. And I, I never had another drink on the show unless I poured it myself or I saw them pour it. I was just like, there's something, you know, and not to say that they're drugging contestants, but I was just like, I just right. felt like a body rush. And I was like, I don't trust anybody at that point. Like I was like, I, my antenna was up. And um, so it's just, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't imagine that you dated all these guys and then you were just, it just is crazy. But um. So I know you're cooking and you got to go soon, but I would love to hear what you think about the future of the franchise and, you know, the place it, that holds in pop culture. Man, I don't know. I really <laughs> struggle with the show now. Like I, I really have a hard time watching it. And I also think there's this piece too, where I keep getting older and they keep getting younger. So yeah. I actually don't enjoy watching the show anymore. Like if I'm on the road, and it's on the TV. I, I might watch it, but a lot of times, Courtney, I find it painful. I, I really find it painful. I remember night one going on The Bachelor and they and the producers coming around trying to get you to do some stupid gimmick to oh, like yeah. introduce yourself to this guy. And they were like, dress up, do this. And I was like, those things are stupid. Like, I'm never, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, and so yeah. I just, the show now, like there's so much gimmick going on and I think also it's just changed drastically with social media. You know what I mean? I just think mm -hmm. that the contestants know they can go on even on night one, come off and have 500,000 followers on Instagram and they never have to get a real job. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And I just, I don't operate like that. I remember, I remember shortly after filming the bachelorette, I had, um, we were at some event and, and it was a, a woman who had been on the bachelor and she made it pretty far. 
but not to final one. And, and again, and she was talking to me, who was the bachelorette, who had had my own show. You know what I mean? Like I had a billboard in Times Square. It was one of the coolest things I ever experienced in my own life. Can you send me a but picture she, of that? I'll use it to promote. I, I don't know if I have it anymore. I would have what? to find it. And I don't know that I, I don't know that I even have it, but there was a billboard in Times Square. And I remember thinking it was like, it was the freaking coolest thing. Like I didn't take anything for granted and I was so grateful. But I always knew that when I was done, I was going to go back to work. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I've always worked. I've had a job since I was 14 years old. Like, I have worked for everything that I have. So I was astounded when this girl looked at me and said, well, I don't know what to do now. It's not like I can get a real job. I mean, I was on The Bachelor. And I literally was looking at her like, uh, uh I don't know. I was The Bachelorette <laughs> and I have a real job. <laughs> yeah. Sounds kind you of strange to me. You have like two real jobs. You've got two kids and you've got a real full-time job. You got to go cook for your flights tomorrow. Man. And that's that's really common. I'm, I'll, I wanted to work from day one. As soon as I could get a job, I, I worked. And I really respect that as a person. And and like you said, going back to like the new seasons and people coming off and they're influencers. I will say there are times where I get a little jelly. I'm like, man, if I had a million followers, what could I do with that? You know, but I, I, it's also a lot of pressure and dealing with the hate and and that kind of stuff, too. You know, I don't think Listen, that you dealt I don't with that. Down a good partnership. Like if it is, it has to be something that I genuinely, genuinely a company that I like or brand that I like and something that I believe in because I'm not going to attach my name to just anything. And it also has to be financially worth it for me because I do have a real job and, mm -hmm. and all that money, I just take it and put it into a savings account for my kids, but it has to be oh. financially worth it for me and savvy for me because I don't have a lot of free time. And if somebody's trying to pay me $1,500 for a 40-second reel, I don't have time for that. That's not worth it to me. Wow, that's interesting to me. I'm like, I think I can make the time. For that. I'm like, I got to pay for daycare. <laughs> I, I, know. I know, but I'm in a, again, I'm in a different, a different right, place phase. in life than, than where, where you are. But also, I'm not trying to become an influencer. That was never my goal. If brands that I like came to me with it with an incredible partnership. I'm always open to that, but it was never my goal. I have a full-time job, a career that I absolutely love. And I love the people that I work for. And I love traveling the world. And I love being on an airplane. Like mm -hmm. I feel really blessed that I get to do something that I really, really enjoy to do. And I'm thankful that it, I finally got to some point in my life that I was able to figure that out because when I went on the show, I, I was a bartender. I've been a bartender for like 13 years. And then I was selling real estate. Like I was hustling. And I feel thankful to have finally figured it out and, and also have a niche of something that I really enjoy to do. I work for an incredible family. I've been flying with them for a long time. So I feel truly, truly, truly like blessed because they're very good to me. I, I love aviation. I love to travel. I love to cook. And I'm thankful that they allow me to do all of those things with them. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I just, I feel pretty grateful for that. Oh, that that is, I, I love where you're at. This is so amazing. I can't wait to see what you do next. And, um, are you going to change your name? You, you were talking about your name and, uh, I, I just changed my name when I got married. So are you going to go back to Diana Pappas? No, no, I will always stay a Stagliano. Um, oh, I, my so mom cool. and dad divorced when I was young and my mom always stayed Pappas because she wanted her last name to be the same as her kids. And I have the same feeling like it, it is a shame that Stephen and I, our marriage could not work, but we, mm -hmm. we have the end goal to be great co-parents. We both have the idea that we don't want to split up our children on Christmas day. Like I, uh, I say so that cool. things might change, you know what I mean? But yeah, my hope right. and my goal is that we can always share a Christmas dinner together and show our children that they can have two loving parents who love them deeply and can be friendly for their, for their sake. You know what I mean? For their sake. Like I'm never, I'll never, ever tell my kids the depths of what went on in our marriage. They don't need that. And again, I know that because I'm a product of divorce, but they don't need that because they have a wonderful dad who loves them. And Stephen is a great father and they have a wonderful mom who loves them. And I'm a great mother but they don't need to know the pain that we caused each other in our marriage and why we couldn't make it work. That's not fair to them because they get to have two parents that they choose to love and they should be able to do that without us laying our burdens and our pains on them for our failed marriage. So we have that goal. It is hard right now 
because we're still pretty fresh off of all of this. Um, but we both have that goal. None of, neither one of us want to split up the kids on, on Christmas day or on their birthdays. You know what I mean? We would like to be able to still be somewhat of a, of a quote family for the sake of our children. That's beautiful. And you know, I hate to say failed marriage. I don't know if it was failed 12 years, I think is quite the accomplishment, honey. And I know you were close. Yeah, Maybe you're um, right. Maybe I need to start looking at it differently. You know what I mean? But I will, I will say this. For the longest time, and especially before I said anything, and really it was only my core people that knew what was going on. Like I kept everything really tight to chest, but that's who I am anyway. I do not air my dirty laundry. I do not run around to people in my neighborhood and tell them the bad shit that people have done to me and the things that people have said about me behind my back. Like I continue to stand up tall and hold my head up high. And I've worked really hard in the last couple of years to know my truths, Courtney, my mm-hmm. truths. Everybody mm-hmm. else gets to have an opinion and they can say whatever they want, but that's not my truth. And I can only control me, my reactions, and how I handle every difficult uh, um, situation. So I have tried really hard to keep this very tight to chest out of respect for myself, mm-hmm. a lot of out of respect for my children, and out of respect for Stephen. So there'll never be a point in time where I ever stand up and like, like air my dirty laundry like that. No one needs that. You know what I mean? But that's, it's because I respect Stephen. I respect the relationship that we did have. And more so because I respect myself. People can wave their crazy flags all day long, girl. And eventually everyone will see them. Eventually everyone will see those red flags. And you know what I don't want to be is someone who's screaming around, running around, waving a red flag. I want to be better than that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't wow. nobody got time for that. Ain't no. Wow. Well, that is and really you know that, But you know that, though, Courtney, people show their true colors in time. All you have to do is pay attention. And that's the kind of person that I am. I am not a trusting human being off the bat. My trust has to be earned. And a lot of that is a trauma response and things that I've experienced in my life. I understand that, but that is who I am at my core. So I'm not a trusting human being off the bat. I need to see your track record. I need to see you show up and I need to see your actions match your words. That's the kind of person I am. Well, I think that's good for the world to hear. At some point you might start dating again. Like you said, you might want a companion and that's beautiful. And I hope that inspires anybody going through a divorce because I think that's very high road, Diana. And you've been through a lot. Like you said, it's a grief. You're, you know, I lost my mom four years ago and I know you lost your mom tw- uh, when you were 12. And oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I don't think I knew that. I lost my mom four years ago. And then when I had my babies, I was curious to ask you uh, if you, when you had your babies, if you, if that brought up any feelings about like losing your mom at such an early age, because you talk about like, it really you know- did. It really did. And now your grief and your loss is still really fresh, right? So, yeah. so it's a deep cut. I, yeah. And lose the loss of a mother. You know what I mean? It's so very hard. And you know this now because you have children, but like a relationship with a mother is so important. And so I was, I was really young when my mom died, but I was very lucky that in the 12 years that I got to live with my mom, I got to see what a strong ass woman really was. And I've, I've also been really lucky to have strong women in my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My aunts, my grandmother, my yaya. Not everybody has that, Diana. No, no, no. And you know what else? A lot of men can't handle a strong woman, Courtney. And I've True. never, <laughs> I've never pretended to, to be something that I'm not. I have always been a strong, independent woman. And a lot of men cannot handle that. And so I always think that too. I'll stay alone forever rather than be, be broken down ever. Like yeah. I'll, I'll be alone forever. I don't mind being alone, but what, what I love you being alone. Saying, <laughs> I love being alone. But what you are saying is very true. Once I had my kids, I very much experienced that. But I also had this newfound um, sadness kind of because my mom always knew that she was going to die. Like she had cancer. She had done um, chemotherapy twice. She had done radiation. So she always knew that she was not going to live. And as a matter of fact, when they first diagnosed her, they gave her six months to live. And my mom survived for nine years. So that's incredible that you got that time. Yes, she was the strongest woman. Well, so I are you. Thank you. Thank you. But I remember thinking that once I had kids, because you can't experience the amount of love that you have for your children. And it's really just, it's a massive amount of emotions that come flooding when you have kids. Like there are some good, there are some bad, but there is this, this thing 
in me, at least, that just kind of clicked. Like, I would die for my children. I would do whatever it took to make sure. Yeah, I would sure take a bullet for they, my children. Yes. yes. And so I, I had this new piece of sadness thinking about what my mom must have gone through, knowing she would not see her children grow old, knowing she would not see them married. She would not meet her grandchildren. You know what I mean? She really had to sit in the peace of being in the now because she knew she wasn't going to be able to raise us for the rest of her life. So I had this sadness that, you know, that piece, what she must have gone through. And then as you know, this too, there was this other piece of sadness. We're like, Oh, they're never going to know their grandma. You know what I mean? They're never yeah. going to know my mom. And I try to be really good about sharing stories with my kids about my mom, showing them pictures, you know what I mean? And, and especially given what I'm going through in divorce, you know, I've talked openly about my kids. I'm I, uh, with my kids. Sorry. I'm a very emotionally mature person. And I really want that for my children as well. I want them to have healthy mental health and I want them to process what they are going through is trauma. You know what I mean? Divorce is trauma. And what we are putting them through is trauma. And what my goal is to help them get through that the best we can. And so I have them both in therapy too, but oh, brilliant. Given everything I'm going through, yeah, I talk to my kids a lot about my mom and the things that she did for me, but that piece makes me sad because yeah. they'll never know her. You know what I mean? And she'll never, she wasn't there to hold my hand when I had my babies. She wasn't there to help me learn how to breastfeed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, so that those pieces were sad. It is. And, and, and I had a lot of that. And like you said, it's fresh for me. It's only been four years, but I still dream about my mom. I don't know if you ever dream about your mom. Um, I do. You do? That is such a gift. Isn't that nice? It's it also is. a little bit emotional. My sister is like, Courtney, I've not dreamt about her once. And, and I think you have to be open to that, you know, and letting that yeah. in and looking for the signs. Like I had, I go to psychics. I like a little woo woo stuff. And I had one yeah. tell me like, if Actually, you see butterflies. I, before I got married, you, you will find this story fascinating and I'll do it really quickly. But oh, no, before no I got married, I filmed a show. I don't remember. It was something that on Wee TV or something. It was like bachelorette parties or something. So one thing that they had done to me was they had a famous psychic come out, Conchetta Bertoldi. I read her books. Uh, Do Dead People See Me Shower, I think is what it's called. I read it a long time ago. But I found it fascinating because I went through this piece after my mom died where I was like, I questioned God. You know what I mean? I think that was yes. only natural where I was like, there's no Lord. There's no Jesus. Like, how would God make three innocent children go through something like this? You know what I mean? So I questioned all of that. So then I started really diving into what exploring my curiosity and all of that. So I read her book a long time ago, but I used to dream about my mom all the time. And it would be, and it would never be in like my dad's house because my parents divorced when I was young. It would be when I would go back home and I would be mm -hmm. staying at my grandmother's. So it was like a safe place for her. And we would literally just be talking and I'd be like, oh, you know, I went to prom or I have this boyfriend. And she would just sit there and she would say, I know I was there. Um, no, well, so I, I did like head to toe goosebumps. It's so, it's so cool. I haven't had one of those dreams in a long time. Watch you have one tonight. I know, I know, right? But it, it always happened to me, Courtney, in a time in my life where I really needed her. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. after she died, there was a really difficult period of time for me as we transitioned into living with my dad and my evil stepmother. Mm -hmm. And like, there was, and so it was at a time where I really needed my mom. But anyway, we filmed this show and they brought in Conchetta Bertoldi to sit and talk with me and my sister. And I found it fascinating. And I was really, again, trust issues. I didn't give her a lot of information because I <laughs> didn't want her to off. just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't want her uh, just telling me what she thought I wanted to hear. But the things that she said were things that no one would ever know. Like you couldn't Google that and find that out about me. And so she You're shared, like, this is um, real. What did she tell you? Yes. Uh, I remember Chris, my sister and I, more so my sister, I try really hard not to stress and worry, but naturally with kids, I, I, I don't want to end up not seeing my kids grow old like my mom did. So that's something that, that we worry about. Like, I don't want to get cancer. I don't want to die when I'm 46. I don't want to miss seeing my kids graduate high school or go to prom or any of those things. So um, she had literally said, you guys need to stop worrying about that. You guys are going to live long, full, happy lives and watch your kids get old, you know? And I found that, I found that really, really special and, and whatever. One thing that she told me was, she was like, you know, I had shared that I I don't really seek my mom anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I think you're still actively seeking her and you dream of her and stuff like that. And I had shared that I didn't really do that anymore. And she was like, well, you should just like talk to her. She's always there. She watches you. She knows everything. 
And she was like, just watch. Next time when you lose something, just in your mind, say, mom, that's right. Just tell me where to find it. And sure as shit, Courtney, we were moving after Addison was born. And we were moving from our apartment into the first home that Stephen and I bought together. And I had this really awesome pair of black jeans that I could not find <laughs> anywhere. I just bought them and I could not find them. And I, I distinctly remember standing in front of my closet and going, all right, if this is for real, help me find those jeans. And I swear to God, plain as day, the thought popped into my head, check the front pocket of that suitcase. It wasn't like an audible thing. It was just like, I just had this thought pop into my head. I couldn't hear voices or anything. So right, you know right. what I mean? But that thought popped into my head, check the front pocket of that suit of the, of my suitcase. And sure enough, I opened it up and there were my black jeans. No. Now that's not chance to me. Like that I a hundred percent believe was my mother. You know what I mean? Like I don't believe in like freaky things like that. And I totally, I totally validated that. Like, yep. And then I literally out, I, out loud, I was like, thanks mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, Dan, that helps me out a lot because I have been, uh, you know, it's been a challenging time for me with the two kids. Yes. And uh, she's been top of mind because I just turned 40 and birthdays are always hard for me because I think about my yeah. mom and not to be too, too somber, but, um, you know, I, I but actually, no, I know. I think I had tears in my eyes when you were like that. telling me that story because I, I can relate so deeply and it's, it's just a very deep cut and it just kind of comes over me sometimes. I have a light in my house yeah. that turns on when I'm thinking about her and, yeah. uh, and I do psych, it's just nice to get those, like, you know, like I, I've gone to psychics for fun here and there, or like you're at a party or they approach you and it's kind of nice to get that validation and to hear those things and like to hear that, like, oh, she's with you and you, you know, like yeah. I, I, I'm still navigating that and, and being a new mom and being in the yes. trenches and, um, grief can, and loss, Courtney are, are some of the hardest things that you will ever experience, especially when it's taken from you in that way, because you cannot control it. And I remember I used to just think like, I would just give anything to hear her voice one more time or to have a hug one more time. Like I would give anything to have that. So I I know what you're saying. And, and I also feel terrible to say that it does get easier because it does. Well, it no, it's does. not terrible. It's not terrible. Yeah, but you that, still, that's you consoling still miss to me. Them. Yeah, you, you still miss them. There's re very rarely there's a day that goes by that I, I don't think of her or a week where something happens where I think of her, you know what I mean? And sometimes I, I, I think like, Oh, I don't even really know who she is anymore because it's been so long. I was 12. I'm 41. You know what I mean? But that makes me the saddest. So I was like, on my memories, I like I need to start journaling. Like, you know, mom, the brain is real. And like, I, that that's what the, been the hardest part for me is like, I still have some voicemails saved from her and, but like oh, the, the I love fear that. that you're so lucky. That's so great. Oh, I know. I think that, that somebody should make an app where you could save your voicemails, but I just, my fear is like forgetting things. And then like when I have dreams, it's like she's, and in your dreams, people are all exactly the, the way that they were. And so I, I'm, I welcome it. And like some days I wake up a little misty eyed, like she'll come to me in yeah. a dream and, um, yeah. but you know, I just, I, I appreciate your input on that because it's definitely been having kids and then like I said, Absolutely. turning 40, it's like, yes, you know, I think everything that you're experiencing is very valid. Everything that you're experiencing is very valid and very true. And you should honor every piece of that, the good and the bad. And, and, and I said this earlier and I'll say it again, grief comes in waves. It is not one of those things that you just shut off one day. It comes in waves. And yeah, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that you should ride the waves. You, in order to heal yourself and your emotional well-being, it is important to ride the waves as ugly as they are. There were days in December where I had to drag myself out of the bed and I didn't want to do it because I was so deeply sad, so sad, but I rode the waves of grief. And I believe that that is important because I'm not a stuffer. I do not, do not compact. That's not who I am. And I believe that the only road to healing is to fully grieve the loss of, of someone, whatever that is across the board, a relationship, a death, a friendship. There are many, many, many ways to grieve and many things that happen to grieve. And I had to grieve a lot. I had to grieve a lot in order to get to a better place. Oh, wow. Well, that's going to help a lot of people, Deanna, honestly. And I, I can't thank you enough for your time and, and sharing your stories with us. I know, I feel like we didn't get 
anything off the list. So we're oh no, we did. I would love to have you. Honestly, I loved you on flashbacks. I know you're very busy and you've got a full time career, but I would love to have you back and maybe we do some reader emails. I, I have people sending in questions. Um, you oh, know, yeah, I'd love that. I'm obviously new to the podcast space, but like you know, if we could help. Actually, people... I'm going to interrupt you. I meant to tell you as soon as you picked up the phone, you have a great radio voice. Oh, you have well, a, you have a great voice for radio. Oh, well, I think you do too. And I honestly invoice me because I felt like this was like a therapy session. So you send, <laughs> send the invoice I over, honey. A friend earlier, I was like, I've spent thousands of dollars in therapy. And they were like, oh yeah, if you can find a good one. And I was like, listen, I've done enough myself. I'm happy to give you some therapy. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think you should write a book. I don't know if, if you ever want to um, let me know because I, oh, I, I did, did want to write a book. I have a lot of dreams, Courtney, but I am not I, I don't always know how to put them together. So I've always Call dreamed me. of writing a I'll book. Help, and I'll I, help you. Okay. I got, and I, I got to you. write a cookbook too. Uh, in Food Network, if you're listening, um, where can people <laughs> find you on uh, social media? Because you're cooking, like you've got a gift. And I think we need a cooking show and a book. So we'll talk offline. I want to help you Let's write this book because you have an incredible story to share that could help a lot of people. And oh, thank you. I hope you travel you. safe tomorrow, honey. And thank, thank you so you. much for your time. And where can people you find you on it. Instagram? What's your handle? Um, I am at Deanna Stag on Instagram, but I would tell you for my mental health, I have been doing less and less social media and it is a true blessing. It is really wonderful. I Block need that. all the people that you don't need to see. Block all the people you don't want them to see you and live your best life. Oh, that's the best advice. I'm going to mute people right after we hang up. <laughs> oh, I'm, I've gotten very good at it. I've gotten very good at it. Uh, all right, darling. I adore you. It was so great to chat with you. And next time I get a break in my schedule, I'm going to shoot you a text and we can do the last minute. Yeah, last we could do some. We, well, we will focus. Well, maybe we'll answer some questions. Okay. Well, you I hope it. you travel safe. Okay. All right. Thanks, Courtney. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Our show. Thanks for listening. And a huge thanks to Deanna for coming on and sharing her story, being so open and vulnerable. She's a strong woman and I just love her. So uh, stay tuned this Friday. I have a new episode coming out of Courtney's Corner. And if you have any questions, again, send them over to afterrealitypod, P-O-D at gmail.com. And we've got a great guest for you next week. But real quick, I just have to touch on uh, Braden Bowers going home this week on The Bachelorette. I was a massive fan of him. I reached out to him, I, and he said he'd love to come on, so can't wait for that. He just said that it was all very foreign to him and that he never really had watched the show. All right, I'm going to wrap up with a quick phone call to Mr. Nick Vial. <clears throat> Let me wet my whistle, see if we can get him on. The P.O.D. Come on, I want to chit-chat. I'm sorry, the person you were trying to reach has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Please try your call again later. Goodbye. <clears throat> Gosh darn it. All right. There you have it. I'm going to keep trying on that one. And you know what? After this conversation with Deanna, I'm absolutely going to call Mike Flay. I still have him saved in the old phone book. Okay. Thanks for listening to After Reality. I'm Courtney Robertson. Until next time, adios.